All right, gentlemen, good morning. Glad you're here. We made it through another Iron Leadership year. I think that's year six or seven. I can't remember now. Uh, the last, uh, this last month, so last week, this week, we're talking about um, being a husband, being a father. <clears throat> so some of you are, are not fathers or not fathers yet. So when we get to the questions, you can just, you know, talk about characteristics of your dad or characteristics that you want to have for, um, you know, your children one day, however you want to make the application there. Uh, I gave away this book last week, so if you didn't get it, there are extra copies up here, a little book on family worship. And if you're a dad of a daughter, this is the best book I read about that, Strong Fathers, Strong Daughters. This is my copy. You have to get your own. Um, I think there was a link to this in the email. So um, I was always looking for stuff to be a good dad, whether it was to my daughter, both my kids, or, you know, father, son, whatever. But I thought this was uh, particularly helpful. Same author has one out called Strong Mothers, Strong Sons. So if you have a uh, son, <clears throat> you can buy this other book for your wife, to, for her to read. It would be helpful to her. Uh, so uh, Jeremy Holdsworth is going to pray for us this morning. Amen. Thank you, Jeremy. Ephesians chapter 6 is probably the best place just to open up and uh, stay on. Ephesians 6 chapter 1. Um, <clears throat> when I saw this video, I thought this is a perfect Iron Leadership video. And I've been waiting to use it. And uh, I've run out of weeks to use it, so I had to use it this week. But it's a perfect fit for several things, but uh, for fatherhood, and it's really a great video just for, I think, uh, men and leadership. And you may have seen it, but we'll look at it, and then I'll make a comment about it. On va descendre en rappel, on vous fera décoller quand le premier est descendu sur l'endroit où on va sauter. Est-ce que ça vous va
So you know that's an Iron Leadership video right there. Imagine, I mean, just think about all it took to line up the plane and line up your speed and get through this little one-yard hole in the sky. And this, uh, well, you know, they didn't do it on the first time. You know that. watch that again. <laughs> now, he says something in like whatever language, and it says missed, right? But it sounds like stupid if you listen to it. Like, what happens to that guy right there? I mean, he just looks like he's in a free fall. Yeah. yeah. All right, so when I think about this, you know, I think about um, courage. You know, I couldn't, I couldn't even begin to do something like that. Jump, just jump off the side of the mountain. Practice. And obviously, it's thrilling. It's just thrilling to watch it. Imagine doing it. So courage, it takes practice. It's thrilling. It's a lot like fatherhood. It takes a lot of courage to, to jump off. It takes practice, right? You don't, you don't get it right the first time. You don't read a book and then say, hey, I got the perfect situation here. Uh, if you have more than one child, it's not like you try it out on the first child and then every other child is perfect, right? I mean, it, does, it, just, it takes practice. But when you're doing it well, when you feel like it's all working, man, it's one of the most thrilling things to be involved with as a, as a parent, especially as a man. So I want to look at some key characteristics of being a good father. And again, when you get into your group, make sure you get into a group that has a dad. But you can just talk about the characteristics that you think are most important that you received as a kid or things you'd want to give back out. But in Ephesians chapter 4, This is this passage that we've been reading through. It talks about wives and husbands, and we talked about uh, that role last time. But then it goes to children in chapter 6. It says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Now, if it was the uh, 21st century translation, it would be, parents, obey your children in the Lord, for this is right. But the Bible actually says it the other way around. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and may you live long in the land. And then a specific charge to fathers. Notice that verse 4. Do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So parents, uh, so children obey your parents. This is a critical, you know, you kind of read by it and say, okay, yeah. But this, this is a critical little piece for every child. You had to learn it. I had to learn it. Every child has to learn it. Is that when they're born into this world, the child has to adapt to a new set of circumstances. Now, you're doing some adapting as a parent, obviously, 
But the main thing that you can give your child is to help them grow up to make an adaption, adapt themselves to a new set of circumstances, to begin to hear a voice and follow after that voice. Somebody who's going to tell them how to live right, how to live wisely in this world. That's going to be your voice. That's going to be your wife's voice. And that's, that's an incredible, incredibly important principle because you're going to be able to then to tell them at some point, hey, that's what I'm doing with my life. I'm living in my father's world, as Jeremy prayed. We, have, we all have a heavenly father, and we're having to adapt ourselves to his world. So if you, as a parent or as a couple, you bring up your child where they're the center of the universe and you're adapting yourself to them, you're going to have, you're really making a big mistake. Because then you're going to have to introduce them to Jesus and they're going to take that role on as, oh, he adapts himself to me. I'm at the center and now I get Jesus to do all the things that my mom and dad. No, no, no. See, it's totally backwards. So we need to make sure that our children understand they're not the center of our family. They're an important part of it, but they're not the center. They have to adapt themselves to it. And they, they have to live underneath an authority. They have to learn how to live underneath another voice so that when you begin to tell them about Jesus, they go, oh, I've been doing that in some form in this family. It's just going to transfer over here to uh, another heavenly family. And that's important because when you introduce yourself, your child to Jesus and you talk about, um, you know, you have to lose your life for him. Well, if they've been at the center you know, losing their life for somebody else is maybe not something they're interested. Or when you say, like the Apostle Paul, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. See, if they've been at the center, again, that's a harder verse for them to get their, their minds wrapped around. So God created earthly families, particularly fathers, to help children understand how to respond to him. So such a critical role. Again, I'm not trying to minimize the role of a mom. She has a different role. But your role is to help your child begin to make an adaption to you so that then when they hear about their heavenly father, they've had a, a trial run, so to speak, to know how that works with an earthly father. So we got to take that role seriously. And there's some instructions. First, uh, verse 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but instead bring them up in this, the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Provoke here means to nag as a habit or to flatten out. Flatten out. I think that's a great little picture, flatten out. Don't, don't flatten out your kids by the way you give them you're supposed to give them discipline instruction that's true but you can do it in a provoking way that actually flattens out your kid and some of you probably been in homes where you got flattened out by somebody who didn't do it quite right and I would say there's lots of ways to provoke or flatten out your kids uh, one couple of ways I thought of is first of all just poor control of your kids and that usually falls off on one side or the other. You're, you're, you're over-controlling. You're the, you know, you know, the helicopter parent. Everybody knows that. You probably know this other term called the snowplow parent. You ever heard this, this term? So the helicopter parent is the one who's hovering over 
The snowplow is the one who goes before their child and makes sure everything's smooth. So when they come behind, they, they, they plowed the road. There's never going to be a bump in the road for my child because I've gone out ahead and I've plowed ahead. Now think about, just think about the news today. You'll hear it today. This whole college admission scandal. You've been here listening to that? Whether you're rich or you're a movie star or whatever, it's been on the news all the time. And what, what are these parents done? They've been the snowplow. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get enough money together. I'm going to pay so for my kid who can't earn his way or her way to this university, I can plow away. And it's just disgusting. But that happens all the time. You go out and so you make sure there's no bump for your kid. And you, in your mind somehow you think that's a good idea, but really it's a... It's a terrible idea. It flattens out your child. When you flatten out the road for your child all the time, you're flattening out your child. You won't have a child who'll be able to make it through the ups and downs because you flattened it out for them. And so I, I listened to a book called The Coddling of the American Mind. I don't know if you've heard of this book, but you should go get it this summer and read it. Just get it at the library. Very fascinating, and it's mostly around the college-age student um, and it'll help you as you think about uh, the media uh, and what you hear, but also helping your child. But they have a great little phrase in that book, and listen to it. It says, prepare your child for the road, not the road for the child. Prepare your child for the road, not the road for your child. I thought that was a great little phrase. So I, I've got to get a son, Zachary, or a daughter, Morgan, ready for a road, rather than I go out and work on the road, 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 road. I'm the road, road crew, and then they come in, and they're just on this nice flat scale. So I'm trying to not flatten out my child. I'm trying to strengthen them. I'm trying to train them, and we'll get to that word in just a minute, so that whatever road they hit, you know, there's going to be some pretty steep inclines that are going to be joyful, and there's going to be some pretty steep declines that are going to be difficult. And it's my role, it's your role as a dad to say, hey, when they get to those points as an adult, are they ready for that road? Have, have you prepared your road for the child? Or are you and your wife spending your whole time working on the road so your child never has to hit a bump? If you're doing that really exclusively, you're flattening out your child. So you can have a poor control, meaning over control. Obviously, you can have a lack of control, so you don't have any hard boundaries for your child. That's really a disaster, as you know. Uh, we've been studying the book of Samuel, and Eli, the priest, who's right, right at the very beginning, he has two wayward sons, and this is what God says to Eli. I'm about to punish your house forever for the iniquity that you knew. So there was something in your house you knew. Because your sons were blaspheming God, and listen to what it says, and you did not restrain them. You knew something was going on, and you were the person to put up a hard boundary, and for whatever reason, Eli, you didn't do it. So you can be over-controlling, you can be under-controlling. Of course, that's the, isn't that the hardest part about being a parent? You always feel like, well, oh, I'm over-controlling. I can't be over-controlling. Now I'm under-controlling. You're always sort of going back and forth, but not sure if you're getting that right. And uh, that's why it's so hard. You gotta, 
it's, it's thrilling. You've ju- if, you, if you're a parent, you've jumped off the cliff. You're flying. You might be the guy floating down at a bad angle, but you've jumped off. But now you've got to practice to, to try to get into that little door where you, you're not the snowplow parent, but you're not the no-boundary parent. Very difficult trying to do. Uh, secondly, there can be, in terms of flattening out a ch- child, a lack of encouragement. And I got to see this a lot, unfortunately, in my days with Young Life. I took this one kid to, to camp. I took a lot of kids to camp, but this one kid, very popular kid, first on the tennis team, nice guy, as far as I could tell, just being around him. And I was around him quite a bit. Um, but there was some kind, there was something that he couldn't get, he couldn't, he couldn't get enough of something. It was, he was driven in a way like I'm looking for something. And I don't know, you know, you don't know what's really happening at home for these kids. But anyway, went to camp one time and we're talking about something important and he just starts crying. Guys, maybe a junior in high school, very unusual. And he said, I know you guys think that I have it all. I, I'm first on the tennis team. I drive a cool car. I live in this neighborhood. But I've never heard my dad said that he, that he loves me. He gives me a lot of stuff, but he never tells me this. And that kid was flat as a pancake because of a lack of encouragement. Now, you don't want to overblow it for your kid. Hey, you can do anything because your kid can't do anything. But this lack of encouragement is really a killer. Paul says it in a different way in Colossians. Don't provoke your children to anger or they'll become discouraged. So you you don't want to be that kind of dad who is always saying something that really ends up discouraging your kids. Now, I want to show another video clip that some of you, I've, I've played it before. I, I don't know if I've played it here in Iron Leadership. But it's from the movie Unbroken. You know this story? Louis Zamperini, I think is his last name. Very, I, I didn't see the whole movie, but I read the books. Great book. And uh, this is really about a brother and his younger brother. Louis is the younger brother. But it's a great little video about encouragement. So I want to watch it and make a comment about it uh, in terms of being a dad. Come on. Faster. Why? No one's chasing me. I'm chasing you. can't do this, Pete. I'm not like you. I'm nothing. Just let me be nothing. What are you talking about? I can't make a track team. I don't even know why you Yes, you can. To... If you can take it, you can make it. What? If you can take it, you can make it. All right, you train, you fight way harder than those other guys, and you win. You get out from under them. Or you keep going the way you're going, and you end up as a bum in the streets. You can do this, Lou. Just gotta believe you can. I don't believe. I do. Come on. Andiamo. Forza! Va bene.
favorite part of that little clip is right at the at the end where he looks back at his brother like we're we doing all right i lo- i just love how the the young boy he doesn't believe i don't believe that's okay i like i believe enough for both of us that you've got to do that as a dad you got to say i'm believing enough for two people right now and and that and i'm gonna be an encouragement you maybe you've got to Say you dumb Dago one one time or two. Probably not a church word, but uh, but you know that that I believe I'm believing in you. I see something in you that you don't see in yourself. What a great thing that you're supposed to be as a dad. And then and then you got to somehow say, but we got to you know Andiamo. Uh, we got to let's go. Let's keep moving. We got to keep moving forward. And this is what makes the 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 role of a dad so difficult and so thrilling because you're trying to thread that needle. You're trying to get in the door of saying, where, where, do, I, where do I say, I believe in you? And then where do I say, you got to get going? You know, that tension of trying to get through that little small spot is very difficult. But doing it with encouragement and just my question for you is if your child is running their race around the track, and you're on the sidelines. What what's your child's picture of you? First of all, are you on the sidelines? Or are you off the side? Maybe you're there, but you're on your phone. Your child's picture of you growing up is gonna be he's all he's always on his phone. Maybe you're there and you're screaming at him the whole time. Never happy enough, always screaming, blah, 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 kind of embarrassment. I mean, I don't know, what is that? I would want you to think, what, what do I want my role to be on that sideline? How do I manage that for my kid's life around the track? And is there a very healthy dose of encouragement in that? So do you, do you celebrate things in your child's life past their birthday? 
Do you pray for them? Do they hear you praying for them? These are all things that are terribly encouraging your kids. So you want to bring them up positively. You want to train up a child. Proverbs 22, we all know this. Train up a child in the way he shall go. And when he's old, he won't stray far from it. This, this word train is uh, to help flourish. Trying to help your child flourish. Like uh, a flower, a bulb. You think about a bulb, you plant it in the ground. Got to give it the right kind of conditions for it to flourish. Are you helping your child flourish? And then finally, you have to give them discipline and instructions. These are the last two things in the Ephesians. Discipline and instruction. So instruction first means to place in the mind. My role is to place things in my kid's mind. I'm training them up. I'm putting things in their mind so that as they go out and they hit this road that goes up or goes down or is flat for a long time, they got the right things in their mind. And Deuteronomy talks about this. Deuteronomy 6, 6 and 7. I think I have it on this, um, this handout. These commandments I give you today are to be upon your hearts and press them on your children Talk to them about, about them when you sit down at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. So you're always talking about the commandments of the Lord. So I just, I mean, I, to me, here's a very simple thing you could do as a dad. So after, you, after church, first of all, go to church. Secondly, after church, just have a conversation about church. Whether they're smaller and it's whatever they learned in their Sunday school class or a teenager or whatever they heard in the, from the sermon or what, just have that conversation. Just have that be a regular part of this is who we are. This is what we talk about. This is a lot of our dialogue. So just be getting in the habit of having those conversations. I think the, the little family worship book is helpful. And finally, you've got to discipline them. You've got to, to train them. And it means to mold, this word is mold by your hands, which I like. Got to mold them by your hands. In other words, you got to be close enough to your child to, to put your hands on them. My daughter was a ballet uh, dancer when she was younger, and they would get in these certain positions in ballet, this first position, second position, and you would stand there, and then the instructor would come by and say, no, not, not there, there. They put your hands on you. I remember when I played football, you get in a three-point stance and the coach would come by and say, no, not here, here. You know, get this way. Put, put his hands on you to say, I want you to feel where the right spot is so that when you come back and you do it again, then you, you get into that right spot. And probably all of you, if you read a leadership book, you've seen this box really helpful for leadership, but I think also helpful for you as a father thinking about your child. Growing into an adult. This is uh, called Situation Leader Situational Leadership by Ken Blanchard. And this is the way it works. So you come into a situation and you have uh, directives. What's the first directive your one and a half or two year old learns? What's the first word they learn? 
No. That's a great first word. That's the directives. They, they come into the, to the world and they're, they're just learning directives. Go this way. Don't go this way. Don't walk out in the street. Don't put a fork into the uh, socket. You know, just don't, these are the things you do and you don't do. Same thing as if you're bringing somebody into your business. I'm just going to give you some directives. Secondly, I'm going to begin coaching. So I got my hands on you, but now it's a little bit more, why are we doing it this way? Why is that the best way to do it? That sort of thing. And you know, as a dad, be, be a, just an interesting conversation is to see how, when you think these things happen uh, over the life of your child. So you're, 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 not, you're not just giving directions, you're, you're offering coaching, and then you're going to give support. So now they're doing it, but you're kind of on the sidelines. And then you're going to give delegation. You're going to delegate. And they're going to be able to be a leader on their own. They're going to be an adult that can stand on their own. This is, this is a terrible leadership, but very common leadership model. Come in, I, I give you directions, then I just delegate. That's a, bad, that's a very common, very bad leadership model. Very bad leadership model as a parent. Hey, I to, how many times have I told you? Yeah, but did you coach me? Did you support me? Then you, did you delegate it or just tell, do? I don't, I don't know. I got to know some more between those two. Now, when I, was, when I had kids that were in high school, this is just a practical way this worked out for me. And it, was, it wasn't precise, so I don't want you to think about it as precise. Because if you're a parent, nothing's precise, right? But I told my kids in ninth grade, um, I'm going to start giving 25% more freedom to them. So here... It was 25 for them on decision-making and 75 for me. And then we went to 50-50 in the 10th grade. And then we went to uh, 75-25 in the 11th grade. And then we're senior. It wasn't ever quite 100. And the reason I did that this way was that they could really fail and I could still be around. I didn't want them to go to college and say, the first time I got a chance to really make a decision and fail, and then they're two hours away or two states away. And again, this is, you got to decide how you, this works out with your family. But look, at some point, whether you like it or not, they're going to get 100%. So you better be figuring out some method, whether it's this method or another, how you're moving them to be successful over here and don't be the snowplow parent. Okay, I've gotten you here, I'm dropping you off, but I, I don't have any whys of why I'm doing this and all that sort of stuff. So however you think about it, it's a very helpful little piece for leadership, but especially in your home. All right, so we got about 15 minutes here, tons of things to kind of talk about, several questions here. Again, if, you, if you're not a dad, get with a dad. Uh, but you can just think about how you process this with your dad. If you're not a dad, what was most helpful? 
what would you want to take away? What would you want to add to something that your dad was not really great at? Those are kind of questions you can uh, talk about. We'll give you 15 minutes. Ready? Break.